We're talking about the family, but we've also been talking about the power of one. The power of one. We'll clarify that if those who are just tuning in. We've been talking about the family, and we've all agreed that family is the bedrock of our society. Have we not? Without family, society is nothing. And some people would say that the economy is the bedrock of our society. Some people would say it's the government. And we know that politics and government do stabilize economies. And when economies are stabilized, society has a, a modicum of stability. But that doesn't mean to say every family is still stable. Because what stabilizes a family are different issues than just economy or politics, though, though they do affect families. There are other mitigating circumstances that destabilize and stabilize families. We know that. Is that not true? David Cameron's never affected my family directly. But indirectly, his policies do affect us, or did affect us when he was in power. So is, is, a, is a little uh, pathway, family, land, cities, and God. Family, land, cities, or nations, and God. God works with families in lands, in cities, with God. So the city that can, the city that can lay hold of God, the Bible says, in vain, uh, the builders, um, what is it? Yeah, those who labor in vain. Yes, but it also says, and those who don't guard the city, guard it in vain. If God's not guarding the city, you're guarding it in vain. So we know that God is over Manchester and over the cities of this nation. Why? Because we partner with God for our city. Amen? And so here we go. We need, God has always worked on that principle of families. He, he moves a family to a land. And in that land, he builds cities. And then that city must have God. Yeah, we see it when, when Egypt, when, when Israel, when God brought Israel out of Egypt, he brought them out in families. Yes, he brought them out as families, and then he took those families to a land. Yes, a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm talking about beyond the wilderness now. He takes them to a land of flowing with milk and honey, and there they built their houses. There they built their cities. There they began to dwell. And then he said this, and then that nation in that land made God their God. Yes? So God leads families into a land. That land then develops, builds, but it must have God as its overseer and leader. And the nation that doesn't have that formula is a godless society. Yes? The nation that doesn't have that got formula. That's why he says, make sure I'm in the house. Make sure I'm in the city. Make sure I'm in the nation. Because if I'm in the families, the city, and the nation, then the nation will flourish. But we are trying to labor to get God into the family. That's been our, that's been our uh, challenge this year to get God and get his principles and his patterns in our families because the church family is just as dysfunctional 
as secular families. And that's a sad indictment. Hello? That's a sad indictment for us as a church. So every society needs a family. Would you agree? And the family that embraces God flourishes. The, nation, the Bible says, why do the nations rage? Why do they plot in vain? Why? Because they're in a mess. Every family needs land. Now, you may have your own land as a family. Because on land, what do you build? A house. What does a house provide? Shelter. Does God want you to have shelter? Of course he does. Why does he want you to have shelter? Because a shelter is where we rest. It's where we recuperate. It's where we, we go to to do our work and return back to at night. It's a place where we store things. It's a place where we gather things. It's a place where we grow. It's a place where we do life and synergize together. We need shelter, do we not? It's one of the human needs of, of life. Now you think of those people who don't have their own house. And what I mean by that is refugees. People who have no land, no God, no shelter, and they're on the move looking for human kindness wherever they go. And a nation, one nation may say, you may enter in, but you can only pass through. Let me just fasten my shoe. About face, talk amongst yourselves. You've never seen my butt, but don't worry. Imagine those nations right now. You can pass through, but you cannot stop. Keep walking, but don't stop. It must be an horrendous thing to have no house, no home, no nation, no shelter. It must be an horrendous thing. Thank God we've all got somewhere to stay. Think of a homeless person in a cold night, nowhere, feeling unloved, insecure, it must be an horrendous thing. A home is important. Whether you rent one or you buy one, a home is important. If you can own the land that you, you live on, even better. Because with land you can develop. With land you can be secure. So God wants us to have a land and a home with shelter. Would you all agree? Every family, have you noticed when you look around, families are either thriving or surviving. They're either thriving or surviving, depending on many, many things. And it can't, you know, what God wants, he wants his house, he wants his people to thrive. I know what it's like to be in survival mentality. You know, survival mentality is not based on what you have around you. It starts in your head. You can have a lot of things and yet still feel like you're just hanging on. Survival starts in the head. Every family needs a savior. Every family needs a God. Most, most families have a God, but they don't have the God. Or, you know, God, not the God, God. God wants every house, household to have a savior, a father, and a destiny. You know, everyone's got a destiny, whether you're a Christian or not. You're not the, Christians are not the only ones with destinies. Do you know that? You know, gluttony is a result and it'll become your destiny. It's called the grave. If you keep on eating, the grave will become your destiny. Yeah? In whatever area you can't control, it potentially can become your grave. And that becomes your destiny. So everyone's got destiny. 
Christians are not the only ones God gave destiny. It is appointed for, one, for once for man to die. And after that, the judgment, that's the destiny of every human being. But whether they go to heaven or hell, it's still a destiny. For some people, hell is a destiny. It's not one I want for them. It's not one that God's chosen for them. It's one that people are choosing for themselves. But here's the crossroads we're at. God must speak to us sovereignly as families. Think about this. God must speak to us sovereignly as families in order to arrest us from death, decline, and collapse. God must speak to your family. Think of your family right now, whatever the circumstances in your family, God must speak in order to arrest some things. There may be death in your family. There may be sickness that leads to death. There may be decline, spiritually, financially, emotionally, psychologically. You must arrest it. God must speak and show us that death and decline and collapse is in our family and must instruct us how then to deal with it. I think that would have got, I thought that would have got an amen. The Holy Spirit must speak to us so certain things can be cut off. Yes. The Holy Spirit must speak so that certain things can be cut off. Cut off where? In you, in me, in your family. We cut things off by many, many ways. We cut it off by prayer, by conversation, by management, management of self, discipline. Phil spoke to us last week about discipline, telling us that stat that for, for every, what is it, for every so many stones overweight? Four stone overweight, you lose 15 years of your life. Wow. Seven stone, you might lose two and a half. I don't want to lose any months, any days, any weeks, any years in my life. So management of self has to come into my life and God has to speak to me so I can cut some things off. <laughs> you know, hello, I'm speaking to flesh out there. Flesh and blood must come to an end. Yes, I know you don't like that, but that's called, suck it up, it's called crucifixion. Yeah? So God must speak, the Holy Spirit must speak in order to cut off the negative thoughts. Who's got negative thoughts? Who's ever had one? Who's living with one? It might be called your husband or your wife. It might be called your brother or your sister. It might be called your boss. Negative thoughts that are around us, that are part of life. Listen, you might be working in Egypt, but Egypt doesn't have to be working in you. God must speak. Come on, say to yourself, God must speak to me. God, I need you to speak to me. Show me what's, what potentially, show me where death is working. Show me where decline is working. Show me where collapse is working. I need you to show me, Lord, so I can cut it off. Your desire for me is you said you want me to have abundant life. Amen. Jesus said, I've come that you may have abundant life. He didn't say, I've, I've come so you can make a life or make a living. Hello? He didn't come so you can make a living. He said, I came to give you a life. Now, in that life, there is a battle of life and death. There are areas that need cutting off. 
because the very areas that don't get cut off actually sabotage the very thing that Jesus came to do, was to give you life. Now, I know you can smell death. You can smell death. You can see it the way people talk, the way people behave. You can see that that's a path leading to decline and destruction. So bringing a family to the wall, I'm going to, we're going to see some death. We're going to reverse death. We're going to reverse decline. And we're going to reverse collapse. And here's another one for you. We're going to reverse delusion. Many of us live with, with a sense of delusions, delusions of grandeur, opinions of ourselves, opinions of others, delusions. These are all leading us down to dark paths. So Romans 8, 7 says this. The sinful mind is hostile towards God. Now remember, everything I'm saying here, we've had three to four months talking about issues. So this is, my, though it may be an isolational conversation this morning, this is not because you've got four months, three to four months of ministry. We've labored hard on this. The sinful mind is hostile towards God. You say, well, I'm not a sinner. Didn't say a sinner, it said a sinful mind. It's not calling you a sinner, it's calling you a, it may, you may have a sinful mind. Yeah? It does not what? Submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by sinful nature cannot please God. There it is in black and white. I didn't write it. Holy Spirit wrote for us. The sinful nature that's 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 not controlled by God cannot please God. Do you know that? Why? So something has to change. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Holy Spirit. I know it doesn't always feel like it, but you are. If the Spirit of God lives in you, now let's just stop there for a minute. You must conclude, does the Spirit of God live in you? No, well let me ask you again. Does the Spirit of God live in you? You must know why He lives in you. You must know why the Holy Spirit lives in you. Right? So therefore, if the Holy Spirit lives in me, I can hear His voice. I can hear His voice. I can feel His presence. I can fellowship with him. I can't fellowship with somebody who's not here. True? So if God lives in you, if, God, if, if the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So if you don't have the Spirit of God, the Bible says you don't belong to Christ. This is important, we know. But if Jesus Christ is in you, your body is what? Dead. Or as the Scottish say, did. Because of sin. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit. This is the work of the spirit all the time. Yes? This is the work of the Holy Spirit. The work and the role of the Holy Spirit is to get involved with you. Your response should be to get involved in the work and the leading of the Holy Spirit. So his role is to get involved with you. Your response should be to get involved with him. Because by getting involved with him, you please and you know, sorry, you know the will of your father and please the will of your father. And the problem we have 
in so many, many Christians is they come to church, they know the Bible to some degree, but they do not fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And because they do not fellowship with the Holy Spirit, they become hardened in their hearts and they very seldomly change. We have a lot of people in church today who have stopped changing. And why have, if you stop changing, it's only through one result. You've stopped walking. I cannot walk with God and remain the same. It's impossible. The Holy Spirit's on my case all the time. The Holy Spirit's always, t- no, I can, I've always got the freedom to ignore him. But then what will happen is God will reverse in that area of my life. But he'll then speak to me in other areas. Yes? Now, if I keep shutting all the doors, eventually the Holy Spirit walks away. Because I may not be sensitive in one area, but I may be alive in other areas. Yes? Because you know when the Holy Spirit has spoken to you about putting your life in order, there are some areas that you've been very slow on and very slow in. But did God stop talking to you? No. But he knows there are some areas he can speak to you in And then when you go dead in that area, he has to back away and you have to face the consequences. But he'll carry on speaking to you in other areas. He just doesn't leave. Can you imagine? If Carol didn't, Carol wasn't performing in one area of our marriage. Does that mean I stopped loving her? Does that mean I stopped talking to her? No. It means that there's some some areas that we can't communicate in, but eventually that's going to create us some issues. Somewhere down the line. So we'll keep on walking until that issue then, invo- uh, then spills over into another area. And then another area. And before you know it, then all the warning signs. And if you don't fix this, the wheels are going to fall off your relationship. And that's how God works with you. God's not in a rush to fix you. It's true. God's got the desire that, to be fixed. But God is not in a rush. Why? God's got eternity. It's your life. He can only work to the level that you will yield. He can only work to the level that you're willing to yield. Do you know how I know that? Look at my life. There's areas I've not yielded in. I don't say that bragging. So and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, our brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. That's a destiny. But if the spirit you put to death, the misdeeds, sorry, but if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, just stop there a minute. How would you put, what's the key there to putting the misdeeds of the body to death? By the Spirit. If by the Spirit you put the deeds of the flesh to death, so you must be in the Spirit to put the deeds of the flesh to death. Hello? I've never seen flesh kill flesh in the the spirit realm, I mean, in terms of Christianity. I've seen a lot of flesh kill flesh, but I've never seen... Putting flesh to death by the flesh. Flesh never kills itself in that context. But by the Spirit. What does that mean? If I'm walking with the Holy Spirit and I'm fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit 
if he, con- if, if he pricks my conscience, conscience should say, and then I know there's an area in my life, I just say, Holy Spirit, I yield it to you. Lord, show me how to get victory in this area. Show me, Lord. Give me, give me the fruit of discipline, self-discipline. Show me, oh God, how to master this. Then the Holy Spirit says, I like that prayer, son. I can see the content of your heart. I can see the, the integrity of your heart. And then God comes together, and then you and God work it out. Yes? Because there's always a fight putting the flesh to death. There's always, God doesn't do it for you. You and God, by the Spirit. Amen? And that's why we have to, there always has to be a smell of flesh burning in the house. Not because we're martyrs, not because we're kind of some weird group, but God must always be working on our hearts. It's called sanctification. It's the work of the Holy Spirit working on our lives. And then he says, so if by the Spirit you put to to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. That's a destiny. Because those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. So who are the sons of God? Many people saying that I'm a child of God, and that's a great song. But who are those? Who are the sons of God? Those who are led by the Spirit. So if you're not being led by the Spirit, you are a dis, you are a rebellious son. So, just recap there. Verse nine says, "You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature." Don't be saying to yourself, "In you and your family, we can't change." That's a bad phrase to use over your family, to speak over your family. Lord, you know our circumstances, we can't change. You have the power to change. You have the power with God to see change come about in your family. You have the power. Yes, in God. In God, you have the power to see change come into your family. Yes. Tonight, we'll look at that. We're going to pray about that with that uh, sheep. Verse 10, but if, it, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. You can't bring your family into freedom if you're in sin. You can't fight for your family, bringing them out of captivity and bondage, if you yourself are committing sin. Come on. So whatever wrong areas you've got in your life, let God speak into them, and then when you're clean... You can go and fight because if you go and fight knowing that you're in sin, you just may get the enemy speaking to you and saying, why should I move? You've got no legal ground to get me off when you yourself are in sin. It's called hypocrisy. And in verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give your life, give your mortal bodies life through the spirit of him who lives in you. I need this life of God living in me, quickening me, so I can fight for my family. My family right now have got issues of sin and entrapment. I don't mean my immediate family, meaning Carol or Scott. I mean my other son or my other daughter. And then other members of our family, right, who we'll fight for. Why? Because I want to see, I want to go for all my family. I'm believing God. Can, we can have a great, great year. And I'm believing that before my mother-in-law and father-in-law die, and they are cynic as anything, I'm believing that God can move on the heart of my father-in-law. 
I know my father-in-law is prejudice, is race, oh, you name it, he's got it. He's from that generation. So I know if God has to do a work in my father-in-law, and I'll just stand back, and I use every opportunity I can to speak to my father-in-law, don't I? And my mother-in-law. But I tell you what, I'm believing before they leave this earth, they're going to cross over into life. Yeah? We're not going to be stood at their funeral saying, well, she kind of believed at the end. We're just kind of hoping, hoping that she crossed over. No. We're going to know. If I bury her and she, and she's, she, was, she, you know, she's, she wasn't a Christian, we can say, she lived a life, we can have a different conversation. Let's be honest. You don't, either go, you don't go into heaven with just one leg. You don't. You don't go into heaven like that. I'm, I'm kind of in. I'm kind of in. You've seen the kids when they run a race, don't they? At school sometimes. They just try and slide and get their foot in. It's not cricket, you know. My foot, my foot was in the crease. You're either in or you're, not, you're either all in or you're all out. And if you don't, you know, you, know, you know what happens if you're not in or all out? You just shake it all about. What happens if the okie-cokie is really what it's all about? Hey? What really? What happens if the hokey cokey really is what it's all about? <laughs> but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. That's what we're going for. I said, that's what we're going for. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. We have not received the spirit of the world. In other words, you haven't got the natural intelligence of this world. Though you have natural intelligence, this is not what it's referring to. We've got more than just natural EQ intelligence. Yes? We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. That's our source. I want you to keep this in mind all the time you're praying that you are praying with a different spirit. Hello? Whatever the circumstance your family is going through, it needs a man and a woman in the spirit to get them through. It does not need flesh and blood panicking. Hello? It does not just only need natural intelligence. You do need a brain. I know Christians don't like that, but God gave you a brain, right? Use your brain, but don't just rely on your brain. God has given us a spirit who is connecting to heaven. Heaven's thoughts in our minds, in our lives, gives us the wisdom to guide, guard, and govern our lives and the lives of those in our family. So we, through the Holy Spirit speaking to us, we're able to give wisdom to guide them. Yeah? We're able through the Holy Spirit to know how to pray for them, which is guarding them. Yes? Through the Holy Spirit, then we know how to govern our family through governance, accurate governance, both naturally and spiritual governance, because you need good financial governance and you need spiritual governance. Amen? So we need government in the house of God. So who is from God? That we may understand what God has freely given us. Just park the bus right there. This is such a key, key thing for us to understand. If I'm going to fight for my family, I must fight from the position of the supply line. 
Do you understand that? In other words, let's just say, Phil is my father. And Phil has all the resources I need. Okay? And he's the one just stating this, this to me. So if I'm going to fight, wouldn't it be logical for me to find out what he's already supplied? Yes? Wouldn't it be first logical for me to discover, well, and Dad, what have you supplied for me as your child? What have you got for me? And this is the problem of why so many believers do not fight an effective fight. Because they have no idea what God has already supplied through Calvary. They say, I've got power. Well, what power? Show me your power. If someone comes into you, if someone walks into your room, work, classroom, wherever you go in, and say, Don, prove to me there's a God. Show me his power. I can't prove to God, I can't prove that God exists by showing you here he is. But I can prove God by him showing his power. So where's his power? Why have Christians got no power today? Why have Christians got no power to change and to be effective? If I look at the church today, I would dispute whether the, the church has power. I know the church has power, but I could put a good case up. I know the God who's got the power, who's given me power. But first of all, rather than look at everybody else, let's look at myself. Where is, he man said, I have the power. That's a kid's cartoon. Superhero figure. But where's your power? Show me your God lives. Show me your God works with you. For someone who walks with God, who claims to walk with God, where's your power? Come on. Where's your power in your Christianity? When was the last time you prayed for someone and you saw it happen? When was the last time you believed in faith and God answered? Recently. <laughs> We're going to hear your testimony. Don't worry. The issue is, when? Where is your power? If you really know God, how come you haven't got the aspects of God working in your life? You're great at listening. Christians are the only people who go to church and have, a, have no plan of actually working out what they receive. But I went to church. We sang a few songs. We sure looked good. I put a clean shirt on that day. Come on, church. We've got to, we've got to be able to show my faith works. Faith in action. So I've received, I need to understand what God has freely given to us. Every family must know what God has freely given Every family must know what God has freely given. You cannot be calling on... There's nothing worse than a believer praying to God and not knowing half of what is supplied. It's like going to battle with an air dryer. I'm telling you, it's like... It's like going to... It's like, you know what it is? It's like most people come to, come to church with a spoon when there's a knife and fork supplied. Trying to eat a piece of meat, cut a piece of meat up with a spoon on its own. It's not easy, is it? Try and eat a soup with a fork. It's not easy. We must understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words. So what do we speak? We speak what we know. 
But not in words taught by human wisdom, but words taught to us by the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is constantly speaking to us. <coughs> Excuse me. The Holy Spirit is constantly speaking to us, showing us what he has supplied. Can you see this? If I said to you, right, we're going to go to warfare. Most Christians say, I ban you devil, I ban you devil, I ban you devil, I ban you devil. Is that the only, is that the only weapons you've got? Well, no, 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 no. I just thought I'd say that. Well, come on, show me what weapons you've got. <clears throat> because it says your weapons are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. So why is it then you're still struggling? Why is it then strongholds are still over your life? Here's another one I keep saying, and it's a completely different context now. People say, God bless America. My answer is, why? Why should God bless America? Why should God bless Britain? Why should God bless any nation? Well, because we're American. It won't work. Well, because we're British. It doesn't work. You must have a reason. You must know why God should bless you. Blessings is a response to your obedience. Fighting, the outcome of the fight will be determined on what you know and who you know and how you can use what you know. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. You must have language to describe what you know. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. Their foolishness to him, he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You getting this? The spirit man makes judgments about all things. He himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of God. We have the mind of God. Families, church members, if you are going to go to the wall and fight for your families, you must go with the mind of God. You must go with the spirit of God. You must know what has been supplied. You must know what has been supplied. You cannot go on Pastor Tony's word. I didn't write the Bible. Can you imagine if I wrote the Bible, it would be full of grammar mistakes. Pat will tell you. Need re-editing. It would be written in Mancunian if I wrote it. And Hebrews 4 says it, kind of pretty much sums up, I think, where majority of church people around the world are today. And it's sad. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. The message that you're receiving is from God. Would we agree? If you have no faith, when you go to the wall, fighting for your family, praying for your family, interceding for your family, you can't please God. You need faith, you need God, you need the Holy Spirit, you need understanding, you need wisdom. Why? Because 
those kind of insights gives you leverage. How many Christians are praying and stop praying because they say God hasn't answered their prayer? Come on. How many Christians say God hasn't answered my prayer? I don't pray that much because God doesn't really speak to me much. And I go, what? God isn't speaking to you much. Maybe the problem is not in God speaking, but you being able to hear. Maybe you don't have the internal technology to be able to understand how God speaks. Because one thing I've known about God, he never shuts up. God never shuts up. God speaks all the time if you can tune in. Now, he doesn't always speak super clear. What I mean is he doesn't speak from the, from the heavens. Tony, Tony. Very rare have you heard God do that, but I have heard that. But the point is, God speaks by the internal voice of the Holy Spirit. By impressions, by thoughts, by leanings. This is how the Holy Spirit. Now, once you can tune in to how God does that, you're away. You're away. Remember, it says about um, Elijah. I think it was Elijah or Elisha, one of those two boys. God was not in the earthquake. God was not in the fire. God was not in the wind. They're all things that get your attention. If God has to speak loudly to you, then there is no internal sensitivity built within you. God can't be shouting all the time, Sorry! If God's got to get your attention like that, one of us ain't tuned in. But then he said to Elijah, Go outside, he appeared again, and then he heard the gentle whisper. And now his spirit was tuned in to hear what the fire didn't reveal, what the earthquake didn't reveal, what the rain didn't reveal. That it was in different environments, but then he tuned himself in to hear the gentle whisper. And then he said, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You mean I've come all this way to be told? Ask this question, what am I doing here? Yep, go and anoint Jehu. Go and anoint him. So, my concern, I'm going to go off, off route now. I'm just going to go back to the note I wrote this morning as the, as the Lord was speaking to me. My concern during our time of prayer and fasting is how much attention we will give. This is my number one concern. One thing I can't do is I can't feel what you feel about your family. It's your family. I can't feel. I can feel for you because I know you. I can have a certain amount of feelings towards you. But I don't know your family like you know your family. Only you know what's going on behind closed doors. Now, if your family comes to church, even then, I don't know what's going on inside of your family unless you tell me or unless I pick it up because you know I can do that. One of the good things of a pastor, he has to learn body language. Body language is a giveaway. And very often, most Christians wear the heart on their sleeves. And those who think they don't, you know, they don't need it on their sleeves, you give other, other ways. You just know to read a person to sense there's something going on. It doesn't mean to say you know what's going on. You just know there's something going on. 
And my concern is, is that the body of Christ does not take this serious when this has been the word that God has clearly given to us yeah. as a house. Go and fight for the families. Yeah. Make, rebuild the walls of the family. If you want to change a nation, you change the family first. You change the family first. That has been our premise. And how do you change the nation? One family at a time. One household at a time. One person at a time. That's how you begin the re-strategy of rebuilding a city, a nation. You do it one family at a time. How does a nation get saved? You preach, you, you preach salvation to someone, one person at a time. Sometimes you might be able to get a crowd and do it. But there's no, we don't all get the opportunities to speak to crowds. But we all do get the opportunities to speak to individuals. So, I'm going to give you four words, and I'm going to let you decide where this is the starting point for you this week, but hopefully it's not the finishing point. Okay? You ready for this? Four words the Lord spoke to me this morning during the worship. Why? Because the portal's open. God is speaking. The first word is interest. Interest. Some of you will start this journey with an interest. An interest only. Now, the thing with an interest, let me just read what I put now. When Paul read the scripture to us this morning from Luke 6, that the spirit of the Lord was on Jesus to go and he opened the scroll, so he spoke from the word, and he spoke from Isaiah, and he also, he was saying, guys, I am the prophetic fulfillment of what Isaiah spoke. So I'm now declaring to you my purpose for being on this earth. Yes? Your purpose of being on this earth is to take your faith and combine it with a work. And produce fruit from that work. Let me say that again. Your purpose for being on planet earth is that through your faith, you, you, sorry, you, through your belief in Christ, you take your faith and you combine it with a God-inspired word, work, sorry, and that faith and that work must produce evidence. That's what determines whether you are a Christian or a Christian or a believer with interest. We have loads of we have loads of Christians or believers with interest, but God's looking for a Christian. Hello. So an interest will not get us very far. With an interest, it just grabs a hold of you. Each level has its own intensity. I'm going to describe to you. It has its own level of intensity and action. So when you have an interest, it just grabs your mind consciously. It puts you on the radar, to so to speak, of what is going on. Well, yeah, I might, yeah, I think my family just need, uh, I think my family might need saving. Yeah, 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 I think it'd be good for our family. Yeah, I think we need to get involved in this prayer. Yeah, yeah, you have an interest. A lot of things, in fact, most things start with interest. We all have an interest in something. Would you say that's true? The next level is, some of you, have a concern. 
So the first level is interest. Just interested. I'm interested. I go to church because I'm interested. I go to a prayer meeting or I go to this, whatever the church, because I'm interested. But interest is circumstantial. And it fluctuates. Yes? Interest fluctuates and it's circumstances. Because if it grabs you, great. If it doesn't, I'm not bothered. I have an interest in football. But I don't, always, I don't always go to football. Why? Because it's just an interest. I have an interest in a lot of things. Interest doesn't get all my time and attention. It just gets fragments of it. It's just called an interest. Yeah, it's casual. It's momentary. It can be circumstantial. Once those things change, so does my interest. But those who are concerned go to another level. A concern starts the journey. Now it begins to take a hold of your mind to some degree and you think about something. You now give it some conscious thought and some conscious time and you now begin to mull it over in your mind. A concern is because I can see potential dangers (coughs) if nothing changes I perceive this potential danger will emerge. Hello? Now, right now, on a concern, you're not involved. (coughs) You're not involved yet. Because it's just a concern. Hello? The next level is... Conviction. So we've gone from interest. We've gone to a concern. Concern does not yet involve you. Conviction is where it now involves you. Because conviction is now where you're the one being convicted. It's your heart. It's your mind. It's your spirit that's being invaded by heaven. So now it's personal to you and you can't escape it. A decision has to be made. What will be the next step? Will I get involved? Or will I go back to concern? So the difference between concern and conviction is conviction is is now about choice and it involves you. Where concern, it may be detached. You just may see a bigger picture. It doesn't necessarily involve you. It may involve you, but you can pick it up and put it down. How many times do we hear this phrase in church, someone needs to do something about that? Yes? Well, ain't that wrong? Somebody should go and tell the government about that. We all look around. Who's someone? Someone is actually no one. Someone, everyone thinks that someone should just go and do something, but someone has to be convicted before action is taken. Yeah? It's like Carol saying to me, I think the TV might need a bit more volume. Now, you know when your wife suggests that, she's not randomly saying someone should just turn the TV up. Well, she's saying, honey, go and turn the TV up. Someone should go and wash the pots. Yeah, I know. There's only two of us in the room. Someone should go and wash the dishes. Yeah, I wonder who it could be, darling. Then you get the puppy dog out. Oh, you mean me? All right, okay. 
No, someone's got to be defined. God doesn't say someone was calling in the wilderness. He said there was a voice calling in the wilderness, right? It was his voice. He didn't say someone. Someone has to be defined. Then the last level that we have to move to is the burden. The burden. When you're praying for the nation, you're praying for your family, you'll never, ever, 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 ever get breakthrough with interest. This is why many of your prayers don't get answered. Because you pray with an interest. You pray with a casual interest. Well, if you come into my mind, I'll pray for you. Which is true. Can't pray for you if you're not in my mind. But guess what? If you're in my heart, I'll pray for you. Come on. That's why people say to me, can you pray for me, Pastor? I'll say, no. If God lays it on my heart to pray for you, I'll pray for you and you'll know he's done. But if you just say, can you just pray for me? I say, yes. You might not be in my mind and I've let you down. I gave you my word one, and now I forgot about it. I would rather say yes, knowing that I'm going to go through and do it. <clears throat> Amen? I need to know that I'm praying for the right person, for the right things, rather than just praying for, you might ask me to pray for your, your auntie's Veruca. Come on, you go and pray for your auntie's Veruca. Concern. Now, concern takes us into the prayer closet to some degree, and we get a measure of breakthrough with concern. Yes? Some of you will come tonight with a concern, yes, our nation needs to change. Others will come with a conviction. Others will come with a conviction. Yes, I'm going to pray because I, I, have, a, I have a conviction of the Lord that this is the right thing to do at the right time. We need to bring our families to the, we need to rebuild uh, the family. This is my conviction. That's a good place now because your commitment and your sacrifice is coming to you at that point. I'm willing to come and do. But when a burden, when a burden comes on you, you cannot shake it off until the action needing to be done is done. You cannot shake this thing off no matter which way or loose. You cannot shake it off until the action has been fully done, seen through, then you realize that God has now put a burden on my heart and there's an action has to be done. Whether it's prayer, whether it's giving, whatever, the burden will be so clear you know what needs doing. Now, we're not at the burden stage because at the burden stage, you know what happens? We heard the word last week in our prayer meeting. You're ready to give birth. I believe we're at DEFCON 3. There is a conviction coming upon us. When conviction is allowed to take hold of us, burden will be the next stage and then breakthrough will come and, and then the waters of the Holy Spirit will break forth and all that's behind that waters will suddenly release to us a massive breakthrough. Can you see this? It's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me about this morning. Interest. 
concern, conviction, burden. Come on, say it with me. Interest, concern, conviction, burden. Now, it's not an indictment. It's not, it's not a bad thing for you to acknowledge where you are right now. It's okay. It's okay. No one's, no one's scalding you for acknowledging where you are. But in the next couple of weeks, if you're still at the same spot, guess what? You're not going to get breakthrough. You're not going to get the breakthrough that others want to see happen in the church. Why? Because you're just casually interested about it. Where another person is, is laboring in the spirit, another person's case that asked what will be, will be. So you're going to have these levels in the house over this next coming months. But I would hope that God does such a work within our hearts that, we, that the burden of God falls on us all. The burden of God falls on us all and the conviction of the Holy Spirit rises up and we come together in the power of one to bring birth to what God is about to do in our midst. Would you all agree with that? So it, has to, it starts with those four areas and God, when you get to the conviction, if we're all coming under that conviction of the Holy Spirit, then the burden of God will take us. And when the burden of God takes us, our actions, our, our focus, everything will begin to change. And then you know, get ready for some, something new is about to be birthed in the spirit. But it will not be birthed until conviction falls on us all. Amen? Any area, any area of your Christian life, those four words will come into place. There's always an interest there's always a conviction. Sorry, concern. There's always a conviction and then the burden. And there's very few people have a burden of God upon them. But a lot of people have interest. So, can we see that we need to, there's a journey that we need to make in the spirit. Yes? Can you see that? And thank God that God spoke that to me this morning. It was a lot better than what I had down to preach. So let's stand to our feet, if we will, please. Concern. That's what we need. We need conviction. We need the burden of God. So just right now, where you are, just raise your hands up and say, Father, acknowledge where you are before the Lord. Be honest with him. Just say, Lord, this is where I am right now. But Lord, I see where you want to take us. So Lord, move on my heart. Move on my heart. And Lord, as you begin to move in my heart, I know you'll bring others alongside. I know you'll bring others alongside. See, Nehemiah, when he built that wall, he just didn't go with an interest. He went with the burden of God. Why do I know that? Because he stood in front of the king as a cupbearer, and his face told the story. And the king says, why such the long face? Why are you miserable? And then he says, how can I do this when the house of the Lord lies in ruins and my people? La, 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 la. And then the king sees the burden upon his heart. 
and then gives him the favor. That's what God's looking for. Burden will give us the favor. Concern will give us the favor. Conviction will give us the favor. The baby is about to be born. The waters are about to, to be released. It's time for a new dawn. A new nation's going to arise. Our nation, we have three concerns in this house. And not tonight we'll talk about them. Three primary concerns. But this is where the burden of God must fall on the house. It must come on the household of God. So just now, just before the Lord, just check what level you're at and just say, Lord, I see where you're going. Move my heart, Lord. As I begin to start praying, oh God, move my heart. Do a work in me. As I do a work in the Spirit, do a work in me. Take me from interest. Take me from an interest, oh God. Take me deeper, oh God, into the water. I don't want to be ankle deep anymore. I don't want to be ankle deep. I want to go right into the river, oh God. I want to swim in the river. The swimmer, of, the river of burden. <clears throat> oh my God. Come on, come on church. Just, just begin to lift, lift up the intent. Let some intensity come in your voice. Lord, show me, you've shown me the path, oh God. I have choices to make. Oh my God. Thank you that we've been given the Spirit of God. Thank you that we've been given the Spirit of God. Thank you that we've been given faith. We've been given connection. We've been given a sovereign line to, to, to our Heavenly uh, Father. Thank you, O oh God, that Father, through the next coming months, O oh God, heaven's communication is only going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. We thank you, Father, for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, O oh God, that you've put it on our radar, O oh God, that you've chosen a people, Lord, a remnant people that will rise in the Spirit and begin to start a move of God in the Spirit that will then begin to uh, explode on the earth. Father, every great move on the earth, Lord, has always been started in the Spirit first. So, Father, Lord, move this family of yours. Gather your people together, Lord. Gather your people together, Lord. And let there be such a move of the Holy Spirit amongst us. Let there be a travailing. Let there be a burden, Lord. Come upon the house, moving us to the point of breakthrough. Lord, do significant work in the hearts of your people. Do a significant work in the hearts and minds and lives of your people. Father, invade every area. Go behind the scenes. Go, go into every cupboard, go into every heart, Lord, go into every dark recess of every member of our families, oh God. And Father, I speak the life of God and the light of God into every dark area of every family member, oh God. I speak for families, oh God, who have, who, who have, where relationships are broken down. Families who have not yet spoken to each other for months, years. Lord, I begin to call out, Father, a healing and reconciliation in the name of Jesus. Families, I call you together in the name of Jesus. 
Just as people would, would walk together and say, we're, we're going to the house of the Lord. Father, I see family members beginning to make phone calls. I see family members beginning to send texts. I see family members beginning to send letters. Father, reconciliation of the walls that are broken down. Father, I see the bricks going back in the wall. <coughs> Father, I see families, big whole families coming back together. A unique work of grace knitting together, oh God. Oh, Father, right now, it's, a, it's time to declare the exile. The exile's over. Begin to call a family back out of exile. Come on, begin to call a family out of exile. They've been in Babylon for too long. They've been in Egypt for too long. Now is the time of the church. Now is the time to call them out of exile. Speak to your family members. Come out of exile. Egypt's had you long enough. Babylon's had you long enough. I declare a land, I declare a shelter, I declare a good spacious land for you. In the name of Jesus, the Lord has decreed for you to have a good spacious land. Come out of Egypt. Right now. We declare the breakthrough, oh God. We declare the mysteries of God. We declare the workings of God behind enemy lines. The workings of God behind enemy lines. The working and wonders of God. Right now, behind enemy lines. I see the Spirit of God going before us. I see the Spirit of God. I see a pillar of fire going before us. Light in the way. So we know how to pray. How to pray. How to speak. How to intercede. The Holy Spirit will light the way for us. You will not pray in the dark. You will not pray in delusion. You'll not pray, <coughs> pray in confusion. You'll pray with the light of God. The light of God will go before you. And lead you out of Egypt. He'll provide, listen, he's going to supply the light. He's going to supply the cloud by day. The pillar by night. This is the Lord God who leads people out of Egypt. He's about to descend upon the house and lead those who are captive out. But you must stay strong. You must follow the cloud. You must follow, work in the light. You must know how to utilize what God is supplying. I said you must know how to utilize what God is supplying. You must know how to utilize what God is supplying. Time and time again, God would speak to Moses. And then Moses would have to go and speak to the people. Knowing that people would then attack what he was saying. But it takes a Moses to operate by the pillar and by the cloud. It takes the lowest be the sons of Korah who rise up and attack. But guess what? The pillar and the cloud is still leading you. You must know how to operate in what's being provided for you. Hear what God's saying to us this morning. This is why your heart must be tuned. Your heart must be tuned to the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Holy Spirit. Be guided by the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And let the God... Of, of our Father, begin to lead you and guide you. Now's not a time to be interested. Now's the time to move to conviction. And let the, let, from conviction, the Holy Spirit will bring the burden of the Lord upon us. 
So hear what's been announced today in your, in your hearing. Hear what God is saying from heaven. God's very concerned about your family. More concerned than you are. You will not pray for your family casually. It hasn't worked so far. So why do we believe God will answer casual prayers? The Bible says that Jesus intercedes for us. Jesus is not casual about intercession. Jesus is focused. He's got a burden for you and for me. That they will, you will not fail, but you will finish. But you'll become the power of one. He's interceding for us. Why? Because he's forthright about this. He sees the bigger picture. Jesus did not go to the cross casually. For God so loved the world, there's his burden that he gave. There's his supply. That whosoever, there's the principles. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the word that's been done on our hearts. And in Jesus' name, the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Amen.